Hey, this is Nathan Jenkins from Loon Mountain Ministry, and I want to thank you for checking out our podcast today. We welcome you to join us, the trees, the rocks, and all of creation as we worship our great God. Enjoy the message. Friend Dan is going to lead us in reading of that scripture. And uh, Dan, I think a microphone is somewhere. You can use you can use Drew's thing is really tall. Does it work? Yeah. Hello? Cool. Okay. Book of Job. You can read along with me if you'd like. Uh, it's Job chapter 2, verse 1 through 3 and 5 through 10. You can also say it's 1 through 10 minus 4. Anyway. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Here we go. One day, the members of the heavenly court came again to present themselves before the Lord, and the accuser, Satan, came with them. Where have you come from, Lord, asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I have been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Then the Lord asked Satan, Have you noticed my servant Job? He is the finest man in all the earth. He is blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and stays away from evil. And he has maintained his integrity, even though you've urged me to harm him without cause. But reach out and take away his health, and he will certainly curse you to your face. All right. Do with him as you please, the Lord said to Satan, but spare his life. So Satan left the Lord's present, and he struck Job with terrible boils from head to foot. Job scraped his skin with a piece of broken pottery as he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, Are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. But Job replied, You talk like a foolish woman. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So in all this, Job said nothing wrong. Thank you, everyone. A lot of churches end, you can, you can be seated, a lot of churches end their corporate time of reading scripture with, may God have the blessing of the reading of his word. I don't know about you, but when I read something like that, I'm not inclined to say, may God have the blessing of the reading of his word. I'm inclined to say, ouch, ouch. See, Loon Mountain Ministry has been here for 30 years, which is incredible. And God has done a mighty work. And our staff stands on the shoulders of folks that have started this ministry before us. But our staff is young. When we have our staff meeting on Wednesdays, we're a young group. We're average age about 30, right? There's not very many churches that you look around and the average age is 30 of the leadership staff. We've got life. We've got vision. We've got energy. We've got pizzazz. We don't have a lot of wisdom. And so we have started a sermon series on the books of wisdom. There are three books of wisdom, Job, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes. Those are the book of wisdoms in scripture, right? Written by Solomon, son of David. Wisest person who ever lived. Pretty incredible. Anyway, that's why we've chosen it. Job is not a warm and fuzzy book, right? And when God called me to be a mountain preacher, I was like, sweet. 
I can just go and talk about warm and fuzzy things for the rest of my life. But that's not the scriptures. That's not the gospel. And yes, are there beautiful things in gospel? Yes. And when you find out, when you read the gospel and you read the scriptures with maturity, this is actually beautiful. This is actually good news. And so we're going to start with the book of Job. And we're going to look at it for wisdom and guidance because we need wisdom and guidance. If there's anything Corona has really showed me is that I know nothing. And it's shown me that our experts know nothing. Right? And that we know nothing. We're very small. We are very small. And we need the wisdom of an almighty God. And the book of Job arguably is one of the oldest pieces of literature, not just from the Bible, but in writings in general. And I find that very comforting. Here's why. Job goes at helping us with one of the oldest questions of all time. And that is why do bad things happen to good people? Why do harmful things happen to the innocent? That question has been just ravishing humankind from the beginning. This is one of the oldest pieces of scripture. You would think if God was going to inspire the first writing, he would say things like this, Jesus is coming. It's going to be okay. I have a plan. Hang in there. He didn't. The first piece of scripture God gives us is, I was having a staff meeting and the accuser Satan walked in and I said, where have you been? And he said, I've been on the earth. And I said, what you been up to? Have you considered my servant Job? There's nobody like him. He fears God and he's righteous. And Satan says, obviously he is. You've given him everything he wanted. Take it away from him and he'll curse you to your face. And God, instead of saying, no, I'm in charge here, says, okay, fine. I'll give you permission. Go ahead and do as you please. Just don't take his life. And in a foul swoop, Satan takes his home, takes his finances, takes his material possessions, and worst of all, takes his children, and then takes his health. Now, this is a difficult read. And when you look at it, you must understand what happened to Job was not God's idea. Suffering, sickness, and death was not part of God's creation. It's a result of yours and my decision. And can't you just hear your parents right now in this? Can't you hear them? When you come in with that scraped knee, when you come in with that hurt finger, when you come in, you go, hey, I told you that if you made that decision, you might get hurt, and you got hurt. Can you hear it? I can hear it. You know, I can hear it. Here's what I find interesting about Job and about Satan and God's conversation and about the first conversation humanity had with Satan. See, Genesis chapter 3, there's a conversation between Satan and humanity. Job chapter 1 and 2, there is a conversation between Satan and humanity. Now, I can't assume that all of you, A, know who Satan is, or B, even believe he exists. Now, if you're a good old Protestant, you think the devil is in everything. Oh, the devil, he's in, he's, he's in, he's in secular music. He's definitely in public schools. He's in that other political party that I don't vote for. He's in that radio. He's in that TV. 
you know? And then you start saying things, well, you know, the devil made me do it. If you honestly think the devil made you do it, you are giving yourself way too much credit and you're letting yourself off the hook for your bad decisions. Folks, the Bible is clear. There is only one who is omnipresent, which means everywhere at once, and that is God. The devil, though he has a team, the scripture says, is not all places at once. So if you think out of seven billion people, he's picking on you, you think too highly of yourself. We have to be careful not to use the devil or the demons, though they are real, though they are in scripture, and though they do are allowed to wreak havoc, we have to be careful not to use them as a crutch for our inability for self-control against our own temptations and our own struggles. There's a famous preacher that says, we are all capable of saying no when the price is right. Meaning, if you can't say no, fill in the blank. Whatever it is, you can't say no to this temptation. You take your firstborn child and you have somebody say, I will take their life if you X. All of a sudden, you are able to say no right then and there. Am I right? Yes, because all of a sudden the price is different. Okay? And so the book of Job is pointing us to something, but what? I wish it would just come out and say, hey, oh, uh, by the way, um, you know what? If you're good, things are going to go good for you. Well, this defuncts that. Job was perfect. God said himself. So if you think things are happening to you because you did something wrong, again, I think you might be thinking too highly of yourself. Because if things are going wrong based upon a decision that you did, then that would mean that things are going right based upon a decision you did. Okay? Now that does not give us carte blanche. That doesn't give us liberty to just go do whatever we want to because there are consequences. But we have to be careful. I have to be careful that when I first came to this ministry, I was really scared. I said to Skip Schwartz, Skip, I'm just barely 30 years old. This is a huge organization. Loon Mountain Ministry now shares the gospel with over 6,000 people. I could really make a mistake. I could really ruin this. And Skip in his wisdom says, you can't ruin it. It's not yours. Just like I can't take credit when it does good. I'm just part of the team. I'm just part of the flow, part of the process. And when you can relax and say, oh, there is something about my individuality that I'm created in the image of God and that he loves me and sent his son to die for me, even though I've made mistakes, but that I can't get hung up on my individuality and think that it's everything and all that because actually I'm also just a cog on a wheel much bigger than me. It's a balance. See, I think that's what happens in our society is we love to be out of balance because when we're out of balance, it doesn't require thought, Right? We love to have a box that we can check to say, I'm okay. But when we live by the Spirit, we walk along a line that allows the Spirit to guide us and guide our steps. So we can't just hunker down on one side and say, there, I've found the answer, I'm done. It's a journey of relationship. 
Now, back to the book of Job. And I wish it just answered the question of why do bad things happen to good people? Job helps us. One, it says, be careful of cheap answers. Don't go after cheap answers when suffering occurs to you. Like, I must have done something wrong. Therefore, this has happened to me. It's interesting. Jesus, what I love about Jesus and what I love about the Bible is that a lot of times when something goes wrong in our life, when suffering occurs, we like to say, what happened that this happened? Right? We look to the past. Jesus always seemed to look to the future. He was walking through Jerusalem, and his disciples came upon a man who was blind. And he said, Jesus, this man was born blind. Born blind. Was it something he did? Which is a ridiculous question, because he was a fetus when he was blind. Or is it something that his parents did? And then Jesus rocked my world and said, neither. It's something God is doing to bring God glory in the future so that you may know the work of the Lord, that you may know the glory of God. See. And he saw. Jesus healed him. And God received the glory. See, another thing that Job is pointing to is that God is in control and you are not. And suffering forces our hands to answer that. It forces us to really come to grips with that question. A rabbi in Australia said it great. He said it perfect. He said, COVID has not taken our certainty. It's taken our illusion of certainty. We have never been certain in the first place. I have no idea if this afternoon is mine or not. I have no idea if tomorrow is mine or not. How many of you guys like Kung Fu Panda? I love Kung Fu Panda. Remember the wise turtle? Right? When he's like, the past is history. The future, a mystery. But today is a gift. That's why it's called the present. Remember that? I love that line. And today is a gift. And it's a gift from a God who you have to trust is good. And in suffering, you have to trust that he has your good in mind. And that's what the book of Job is pointing to. And I love how this ends with Job. Now, Job does a great job in chapter 1 and 2. He is an outstanding follower of Jesus. I don't know about you, but if, 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 if the book of Job ended at the end of chapter 2, I would give up. I'd say, well, I cannot be like Job. The first chapter, right? The first chapter, he said, naked I came and naked I will go. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I came with nothing, so nothing's mine. It's all on loan, and I will leave with nothing. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Imagine being able to say that. Imagine having the faith to say that. Someone else left this world naked and said it. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ left this earth choosing death. Not to, he was never designed to taste death. He chose death for you and me. And here's the thing. If you think God owes you answers during your suffering... Don't you think he owed Jesus answers during his suffering? Jesus hung on the cross and didn't get an answer. Father, Father, why have you forsaken 
me. Silence. No reply. See, a no reply from God is an answer. And boy, I'm trying to teach my children that a no reply from me is an answer. Da 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 da. Mom, 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 mom. Aren't we just the same? We're down here in COVID. Our businesses are in jeopardy. Our material possessions are in jeopardy. Our comfort is just totally ransacked. But then it's hilarious because when we look at actually our circumstances and we look at some other circumstances in the world, I get embarrassed. I skied the most I've ever skied this year. Why? Because everyone went away and I could ski every day. So I'm like, oh Lord. But what I find is interesting is at the end of chapter one, naked I've come, naked I go. At the end of chapter two, he said, are you foolish woman? Can we not accept the good gifts of God and not the hard ones. And I find this interesting. Well, I'm going to go with my first point. Because I really like this. I don't know why, but this is what God gave me. If it's beneficial, great. If not, let it go over your head. Because sometimes my analogies are weird. They make sense to me, but they might not make sense to you. I love nature. And I love getting truth about who God is and what he's doing from nature. And I got to thinking about this relationship with God and suffering and humankind. And for some reason, it brought me to the honeybee. When I heard Job say, what, can we only take the good gifts of God and not the hard gifts? And, and I got to thinking about the honeybee. What's a good gift of the honeybee? Honey. What's so not great about a honeybee? The stinger. And what's something that we all take for granted of the honeybee? Pollination. Scientists believe that the number one effective animal creature on the planet to the health of the, of the planet is the bee. Did you know that? How important the bee is? Without pollination of the bee, we don't eat good things. We don't have berries. We don't have flowers. We don't have trees that produce, you know, oxygen. We don't have vegetables. We don't have fruit. That'd be a bummer. That'd be a bummer. But do we take for granted the pollination of the bees? We do, don't we? But we love that honey. That honey, that's pretty good. But we also don't like this thing. Ever seen a kid in a park with an orange soda and a bee flying around it? And what's mom always say? Oh, he won't bother you. If you don't bother it, it won't bother you. But it's bothering me. It's like by my, my lips and my ears, and it's in my soda. And it can sting me. But a stinger of a honeybee is what? A warning, a redirection, a protection. We can't remove the stinger from a honeybee. No different than we can't right now remove suffering from earth. And God, in his goodness, allows suffering for warning, redirection, growth in righteousness, a change of plan. And so we can't just sit here and say, God, I only want your honey. You can leave the stinger at home, please. We can't say, God, I only want your honey, and I don't really care about your pollination. See, God is working 
24 hours a day to sustain life. We talked about it. Yahweh, Yahweh. He is in every breath, in every wind, in every talk, in every tree. He is doing all these things without even ever noticing. We only love the gift and we forget about the giver. And that's what I want to end on. Satan would love, the bad team would love for you to think God doesn't love you and he doesn't have your good in mind. And boy, if he can have suffering to help ramp up that message, he loves that. God's not good. If God's good, then why'd you lose your child? God's not good. If he's good, then why have you been diagnosed with cancer? God's not good. If he's good, then why have you given everything you can to your business and now it's failing you and you're going to have to file bankruptcy? If God is good, why then is your child rebelling after you have given everything to your child, a home, protection, direction, and now they're rebelling? Right? And if they can't, if, God, if, if the enemy can't convince you that God's not good, he also wants to convince you that God's not real. And think about that first lie in Genesis chapter 1. The enemy says to Adam and Eve, God said, don't eat this. He doesn't care about you. He only cares about himself. He's having you not eat this because he knows how good it is. He's withholding goodness from you. He's, he's not good. You know what I think is incredible? We believed. We believed. I believe. You can't point your finger at Adam and Eve and say, I wouldn't do that. Because you do that. I do that as a pastor. What's crazy is the story flips in Job 1 and 2. The enemy's not talking to Job. Who's he talking to? God. And he has the same message. He says to God, Job's love's not real. He doesn't really love you. He only loves you because you do things for him. Don't you get it? There's an enemy. And the one goal of the enemy is to destroy real, wholesome, good love. And real, wholesome, good love is not based upon what somebody can do for you or what you can do for somebody, but who they are. And suffering brings humanity to a point where they have to make a decision. Do I love God for what he does or do I love God for who he is? And marriage is identical. Do you love your spouse for what they do or who they are? And if you love them for what they do, you have a weak marriage. And I'm sure you can see the effects of it almost daily. Versus if you have a marriage where they love each other for who they are, It's still tough, ain't it? It's still rough, ain't it? There's still days where it's rugged, ain't it? But when you love and you are loved by who you are and not what you do, woo, that bond is strong. Man, that's awesome. Same for your relationship with God. And suffering is exposing that. Suffering exposes our love for God. 
Now, it's okay to be thankful for what they do. Boy, there's some incredible things my wife does that I absolutely love, like her caramel rolls and her gift of adventure and her ability to dot the I and cross the T. Man, if she didn't do some of those things, we'd be hosed. There's some incredible things God does that I'm thankful for. But if I fall in love with him based upon what he does and not who he is, that's fake. And God will allow suffering to get you to a point where you say, okay, okay, okay already. I just love you. I just love you. And I'm sorry that I was distracted by loving my kids. Woo! We have an unhealthy love of our children in 2020. Way unhealthy love of our children. All you parents, you look like a two-year-old with a kitten. And you're squeezing your kids so much with the protection and safety, it looks like you're going to pop their head right off. Poor kid, they can't even breathe. Let them play in the street a little bit. Let them go in the road a little bit. Let them go in the trees. It's all right. You think you're loving them, you're suffocating the poor thing. Maybe we've loved the control of our children a little much. Maybe we've loved our job a little much. Maybe we've loved our vacation, our material possessions. Maybe we've loved our health too much. Woohoo! Suffering starts putting a finger on our personal health. I don't know about you, but I get wigged out. I, I like, I'm the awful doubter or like the deni- I'm denial kind of guy, right? If I don't go to the doctor, I don't have it. Anyone else like that? Right? My dad is like that. I'm like, Dad, when have you been to the doctor? Well, I think sometime in 1964, I had a third grade checkup. I think it was the last time I'd been. I think, well, that ain't good. So, folks, God loves you. And do not believe the lie. He doesn't. Thank you, Lord, for the book of Job. Thank you for this time we can have in Scripture. Thank you so much for the patience of folks waiting in the hot sun and sitting here. Thank you for the the creation that screams your glory, that screams your truth. Thank you that we get to be a part of this. Thank you for your word, even the hard parts of the book of Job. Lord, it's the gospel that you are good, that you are real, and that we are lost without you and we need salvation. Lord, help us to love you for who you are and not what you've done. We love you. To your name we pray. Amen. All right, you can stand up and sing my favorite song, How Great Thou Art. Thank you for your patience. Thanks for being out here in this blitzing hot sun. Thanks for hanging out. Make sure you love a loony today. Now, obviously, you can't hug one. can't high-five one, but you can sure say thank you to a loony. Loony, is anyone out there that's working with that bird on their chest or on their shoulder? Love you guys. Thanks for coming to Loon Mountain Ministry. Thanks for listening. We here at Loon Mountain Ministry are committed to loving God, serving community, and enjoying mountains. We want to thank you for being a part of our collective high five this week as we seek to be a light in the White Mountains and all around the world. Please feel free to reach out to us at info at loonmtnministry.com so we can get more connected. See you guys.